Hey team, it's Syrah. And this week, Megan and I are doing an interview with someone that's near and dear to my heart. Her name is Leslie Feinzig, and she is an operator turned founder turned VC. And by VC, I mean venture capitalist. In the last three years, Leslie's turned a 25-person Facebook group into a 25,000-strong person network that specifically caters to female-founded startups and their aligned investors. I can't even begin to explain what an inspiration this woman is. So rather than spewing off a few different statistics, I will let the expert do it herself. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stockwitz. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. So we are sitting here with the incredible Leslie Feinzeig. And Leslie, I have been eagerly awaiting this conversation. So if you're ready, I would love to just dive into some of our questions. Let's do it. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. 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 Hi, Leslie. It's so nice to meet you. I know we talked off camera. But <laughs> to meet you, Megan. We're, we're both in Seattle, which I kind of adore and love. And it's a oh, sunny day in Seattle, which is we should have done this like- so rare. You guys should have met up like outside somewhere just to, you know, bask in the glow. I know. But no, I'm excited. I obviously stalked you before we got on the call because <laughs> I always do that. LinkedIn. Yay. There's your sponsorship, Microsoft. Okay. Anyway, so Leslie, we always start our interviews with kind of, you know, one saying thank you for coming. And two, we want to, you know, make sure people understand your origin story and how you got to where you're at. And just kind of some pivotal moments that you like have seen throughout your career. I feel very superhero you right now, my origin story. <laughs> it was a cloudy day. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> I, I'm super excited to be here. So Megan, it's really nice to meet you. Sarah and I are, I had like a Twitter crush on her and I guess it was mutual. And like one day I just, I just reached out and I was like, Hey, Sarah, do you want to meet with me? And, <laughs> and, and here we are blossomed relationships since then. Twitter is an incredible tool for that. I've made like really great friends on Twitter, I have to say. And I like to say that I knew you before you were Twitter famous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm still not Twitter famous, but I appreciate you saying that. (laughs) But it's still true that I knew you before you were Twitter famous, see? Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so I, I guess things to know about me. I am from Costa Rica. I was born and raised in Costa Rica. I Moved to America in 2005 for business school, thanks to a miraculously high score on the GMAT that resulted in getting to Harvard and getting a full scholarship to attend. And so I moved here in 2005, very life-changing, very life-changing experience. You know, I, I had no sense of this other kind of world of business that we live here. Maybe it partially because of age, right? I was so young when I was living and working in Costa Rica, partially because there's, you know, there's so much more happening in in the United States than, than there is down there, or at least there was at the time. I like to tell people that 
my salary post-business school was 10 times my salary pre-business school. I used to make $10,000 a year or 10-ish, $10, $12,000 a year. Most of the jobs that I've had since business school have titles that I didn't know existed pre-business school. Never heard of a product manager, never heard of a venture capitalist, never heard of any of those things. And, you know, I've been here ever since. I worked in strategy consulting for a while. I worked in technology at Microsoft for a long time, worked in startups. And at some point along the way, I met a boy and, you know, got married, had babies, got a mortgage, and now I live in America. <laughs> so... <laughs> So now Safe to say here. you're living the American dream, right? Yeah. Well, there, you know, I guess what we call, I grew roots in Seattle in the form of a mortgage and a career <laughs> and friends and all those things. So that that's kind of the first part of my life. The other part of my life is professionally. After a few years working in other people's startups, and Sarah, I may have told you this story before, I decided that I wanted to start my own. I'd been advising other people as they were on their journey. At that point in my career, I was pretty senior. I was board facing. I ran large teams. I used to I used to be the person that you hired. I was like the golden resume type of person. And she's a woman and she's Latina, right? Like checked all these boxes. Like, but at some point it just felt like, man, you know, 30 plus years old, I'd really gotten to know myself. I knew you know, I'm a worker. Like I like to build, I like to launch things. And I was working so hard. And at some point I just wanted to try it for myself. You know, like if you're going to give it that much, then I just wanted to try it for myself. And so I also happened to be pregnant at the time, which it's one of those times when you really, if you let it, right. If you let it, then, then it really makes you think about what you want for your life and for your, for your family's life. You were so impassioned during that time. You were tweeting about that stuff. That was what caught my eye about you, how passionate you were about both your family and your future career. I mean, because you know, you know what the thing is, and I don't know at what point this got ingrained in me. It's it's possible. I'm the granddaughter of, of refugees, right? Like I, I grew up in Costa Rica, but very much an outsider. And like the only Jewish girl in my, my school, like the entire time that I was there, like had a funny sounding name because... You know, Feinzeig is like a, a Polish name, right? My grandparents were Polish uh, refugees who ended up in Costa Rica because they were not allowed into New York. Like, you know, America closed borders and they kept sailing south. So we're kind of wandering people. And and at some point it got ingrained in me that like, hey, you get one life and, you you know, it's up to you. How do you live it? And so, yeah, I'm unapologetically pro figuring out what is most important to you and doing your all to make it happen. And for me, like that means both having a family and building great things, right? So anyways, pregnant with Dora, number one behind me, and left my job, started working on different concepts that I, I was the type of person who had a list of startup ideas in my wallet. Do you guys keep a list? <laughs> that might be just a, I have like, I don't know. No, I am not that creative, but I love that. Leslie, yeah. That resonates with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. write it down, stick it in your wallet. Okay. I actually okay. doesn't use wallets anymore. Maybe it's like a <laughs> like no, I you know what? They're like write it down on your phone and keep it there forever. No, I actually I think that's excellent advice. I just man, that's a good one. That's gonna be one of my nuggets from this episode for sure. Well, there are like twelve things in that list that I'd kept in my wallet probably for like a decade, and I just started going down the list and like 
trying out different things. And eventually I launched a company. It was kind of an education technology or education and gaming company. And it was called Venture Kits. I bootstrapped it right here from this basement where I'm sitting today. I put together paper prototypes. I started selling them. I cold called 350 mommy bloggers around the country, sent them a picture of me and my baby. And I said, listen, I believe that all kids should experience entrepreneurship so that all kids have an equal chance to become tomorrow's leaders. And this is what I'm doing about it. And I would love it if you would review my product on your blog. And a whole bunch of them did. And this just started kind of snowballing and snowballing. I ended up getting lots of organic press, like lots of, you know, early sales, but really good traction. And the ultimate vision of the company was a software company, right? I wanted, these were paper prototypes that I wanted to turn them into something that you would play digitally. And so I needed to hire software engineers. I needed to, you know, build my tech startup. And so after a few months of building that traction and building that story, building my pitch, getting ready, I decided to go out and raise venture capital, which I know is what we're talking about today. And I did. I went out on the pitching circuit, the fundraising circuit. Like I did every pitching competition that I could find. And like somebody just said, like, just go pitch everywhere that they will have you. And so I flew to Silicon Valley. I like signed up for everything and I failed. And not only did I fail at fundraising, it was also like just the most bizarre experience. Like I, I just... You know, at that point, I had mentored enough startups. Like, I knew that it would be hard, right? Only a small fraction of people who try to raise venture capital actually succeed at it. So I knew that it would be hard, but I thought that it would be fair. And it wasn't. It was minimizing. It was very clear that I was having a different experience for the fact of my gender, and in some cases, for the fact of me having a small baby. And there, for what it's worth, and I'm sure that we'll talk about this, Megan, you and I, before or after we're done chatting with Leslie, but there are statistics backing up what Leslie's saying. That's the crazy part about all of this. Well, it was around that time. So this is, I call it my dark Silicon Valley winter. My dark Silicon Valley winter was 2016, 2017. And as I was out there, like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, you know, I swear I'm really smart. Like, what, what is this, right? As I'm out there, PitchBook published a report, and to my knowledge, that was the first time, I may be wrong about this, but I think that that was the first time that they published this data, and it said that the prior year, only 2.19% of venture capital had been invested in female-founded companies like mine. 2.19. Now, if you go to Twitter and you look for at 2.19, that's the Twitter handle I put in right there that day. Oh, that just gave me chills. I actually did not know that's why yeah, you did that. That's, why, that's really cool. The day that I started that Facebook group, I had read on PitchBook that only 2.19% of venture capital have invested in companies like mine. And at that point, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. Like, it's not me. It's everyone, right? Like, it's not personal. It's systemic. Great. We can fix that, right? Like, I can't fix me. <laughs> like, I am who I am. But the system we can tackle. So I started a Facebook group. And, I mean, there was no purpose behind it other than I need a community. I need people to help me navigate this experience, to translate the information that I'm getting into something that I can actually use, to open doors for each other, amplify each other. I started this Facebook group. I called it Female Founders in Seattle. Then I dropped the Seattle and I added Alliance. 
there were 25 of us that first month, February, March, 2017. And some of us started meeting offline and I went to see who would give me money to keep doing that. And four years later, that 25 person Facebook group is a 25,000 person community. Wow. Holy crap. (laughs) That's incredible. See, Leslie, this is why I think everyone we interview is a hero because you are a hero in your own regard. I mean, what an amazing origin story. Seriously. And to lead with such empathy and go through it yourself and be like, F it, I'm going to fix it. I mean, that's inspiring. You know, the big thing, I always wondered, like, how did this group become so big? Right? Because I'm not famous. I'm not rich. I do not have it figured out. And I think that it was exactly what it just said. It's like, you know, so many of these communities out there are like, I succeeded. Here's how I did it. You can do it too. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Come figure it out with me. <laughs> right? Like, let's lock arms and figure it out together. And I think that that is a really just authentic grassroots community, right? Like, nobody tells you how to succeed because there is no one way but we're here to figure it out. But passion is sometimes the thing that that can guide us, right? And then when you start talking and you get on Twitter and you post it that day, which 219, that is amazing. You post that, you're like, other people start responding and it just starts to have a groundswell in itself. And because you're so passionate, because it happened to you and you don't want it to happen to your daughters or anyone else in the next generation, it makes sense. You don't need to be rich or famous. It like totally makes sense to me. That clicks. And for what it's worth, the other thing that I'm hearing in what you're saying, Leslie, is that you were shattering a different type of glass ceiling because you were going behind the curtain, right? So not just trying to do the founder thing, which is so rare for women to attempt to begin with, but then going to the origination of how they succeed as founders, which is the venture capital and investing space, right? So I I kind of want to take a step back. I would love to hear how you would define you know, investing in the venture capital world, like what exactly is venture capital? And yeah, I guess, I guess, how would you define it? That's a great question. And I think to your point, you know, I've been doing this female founders Alliance thing for just over four years. And my actual startup died was like a, it was like a tribute, like it, it sacrificed itself in the name of the female founders Alliance because this other <laughs> so big. And what I realized along the way, right, like FFA now has more than 2,000 companies that are members of the community, five to 600 VC funds and angel investors that actively collaborate with us. And what I realized along the way was that, like, if I'm going to dedicate my life to accelerating the success of these women-founded companies, then I'm going to make my livelihood out of it, too. And I'm going to participate in their success. And that's when I started investing in them. Not only that, but also because what I realized is that these companies outperform. Like there's data that shows that these companies just outperform the norm. But let me answer your question for you. I know that you're going to ask me about the outperforming and like, what should I be looking for and what should I be investing in? So venture capital is like a a hot buzzword, right? Like these days, if you're on Twitter, like it feels like everybody's raising venture capital or like doing the VC funded startup. And in reality, it's not. It's a very, 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 very small part of the market. What it is, so that there's people in the world who start businesses and the vast majority of those businesses are small businesses, right? Like you start a cafe, you start a gym, you you start a consulting practice for yourself, you start a dental office. Like these are kind of businesses that you can manage and grow on your own. There's a type of company 
that can scale, not grow, but scale, like can grow really, really big, really, really fast. And there are certain conditions that allow it to, to scale that fast. Think a technology company, right? Like it can go from two guys in a basement and by and large, they are really two guys in a basement to like a initial public offering or an IPO within a decade. That type of company is usually fueled by venture capital. Venture capital is, is the money that you go and seek when you want to take a company from very small to very, very, very big in a short period of time. I think I've read some, I can't, I can't attribute this because I don't know the data source, but I've read that it's only about half of a percentage point of all companies that qualify for this. So it really is a very small part of the market, but it's the small part of the market that like, when you look at the NASDAQ, when you look at the New York Stock Exchange, right? Like when you look at all of the public companies out in the world, however you define it, the standard of pours or the Fortune 500, like when you look at those big companies where all of us start our careers, 20 years from now, most of those big companies are going to be the companies that are being invested by venture capital today. These are the companies that get really, really big and are going to go out in the public market, right? Look at all the big companies that we talk about today, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Twitter, Zoom, Tesla, Uber, Airbnb, all of these giant companies are venture funded companies. And that's only going to accelerate in the next few decades. So when you think about like, you're looking at a picture of my two daughters behind me. Okay. When my girls, so they're five and two, when my girls graduate college and they walk into the job fair, what are the companies that are going to be in that job fair? They're the companies that VCs are investing in today. Right? Oh, that's a really interesting point yeah. that I have never thought about. Yeah, because by then they'll be public companies, right. hopefully, the ones exactly. that have succeeded. They'll be, they'll be on the way. And so yeah. you know what's really important? I really care about that 2.19%. I really care about that 2.19% because if 98% of that capital today is going to companies that have a founder that looks just one way, then guess what the public markets are going to look like by the time Dora and Ruth graduate from college? So that's my mission in life. My mission for the next 20 years is to populate that job fair with diverse companies. And I do that by investing in venture capital. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> mic drop. That was a mic drop. That, 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 that was so smoothly. Like that was, I'm, I'm going to like write that in my bio. That was like. Really <laughs> write that on your tombstone, Leslie. That was it. That I'll was it. That I'll was incredible. Leslie, I want to ask you, though, for our, our listeners, last week we interviewed Kinsey Grant, who has started her own company. And, you know, we started our little company here, me and Cy. And she has to remind me that we started a company together because sometimes I forget. But <laughs> how does someone like me go out in the world and seek VC? Like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? Like, what is that path for someone that's starting a business? You said VC is so small. Yeah. How do you tap into it? Yeah. So, I mean, the reason you have to figure that out, that like, that's part of the reason why so much of it is going to like people who are already in it, right? It's a, it's a very kind of relationship type business, like who you know, who you've proven yourself to, like who believes in you. And the fact that most of it is, is quite homogenous means that it's very, you know, self-reinforcing. So how does an outsider get in? There's lots of events, communities, you know, pitching competitions, workshops that are one Google away, right? 
So there's lots of ways to kind of step into it and start meeting people. What is really hard is to secure investment when nobody knows you. And so there's kind of two paths to doing that, to like getting investment when nobody knows you. And they're both really hard. So like, you know, but hard is good. Hard is good. If it wasn't hard, it would, everybody would do it. One is get traction in your company. So if, if your company is like really, really scalable and growing really fast, that is a much easier thing for an investor to get behind. So one is just go and build your company, you know, bootstrap it, figure it out. Two is go work at someone else's startup and get to know that founder, right? Like if you work at a startup that starts to become more successful, you kind of are introduced a lot more into the circles. They kind of get to know people who are in there and certain, you know, it's a slower path, but it is, it is kind of a more palatable one. Now, again, all of these things are hard. All of these things are not accessible to everyone, but that's kind of the two ways to go about it. Either like kill it with your company or which, Hey, like it's really, really hard or, you know, start building, like go get the experience. Right. The other problem is like startups are not for everyone. Like not, not everybody should be out raising venture capital because it's the type of capital that like most of the companies that raise it actually end up failing. It only takes one to get to that level of success to return all the money in a portfolio. So most people that raise capital are actually never going to make that public company. That's why you need to make, you need to like take a portfolio approach as an investor in order to get enough bets in that eat that like one of them can be, you know, Zoom or Tesla or, or one of these really big ones. So, and that's that whole concept that I've heard before, Leslie, of the whole like spray and pray, right? So like you invest in a whole bunch of companies and you hope to God that one of them ends up succeeding. And I guess, so for myself, I looked at the definition of accredited investor, which is what you have to be in order to participate in the venture capital world, if I'm correct. And so let's say that I fit the definition of accredited investor. How do I get myself involved in that asset class? And do you think that's an asset class that women or people in general should be involved in? Oh, 2000%. Yes. Oh my gosh. I really wish that more people were, but, but when they do so, I want you to be educated about it. Like, cause it can be a little gambly, right? Like it can be a little bit like there's a lot of hype involved. It's a type of asset that stays illiquid for a very long period of time. Like you should not expect to see any return for at least 10 years. Which for what it's worth, that's a long time horizon, right? And you don't actually get a valuation on any of the companies that you invest in. Or if you decide to go into a venture capital firm, they don't give you like returns or anything on, you're basically blinded from your investment until something happens, right? Exactly right. So are you saying, are you saying like if I were a VC, sorry, I'm going to laymanize this for, for me. Please, please. Thank you. So if I was a VC and Syrah came to me and I gave her money for her company to take them to the next level. I wouldn't see a return on that until a decade. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. If ever. Wow. If ever. And how Cyrus talking about it is like the VCs themselves have to get their money from somewhere and they get it from individuals. They get it from family offices. They get it from pension funds. They get it from institutions, from foundations, trusts, right? So the originators of that money, those individuals, those trusts, those family offices, they're not going to see their money for 10 plus years either. So when you bring that down to like, hey, should I as an individual invest some of my money into venture capital and how do I do that and how much, then 
you have to think about that. It is a super high potential for return type of investment, right? Like, but it's also a commensurate size risk. I like to tell people, imagine that this is in your personal portfolio. This is on the side of the high risk, high return part of your allocation. So what is that for you? I don't know. You know, like it depends on your age. It depends on how much you have. Like you might decide that you want to do $5,000 a year. You might decide that you want to do $100,000. I don't know, right? Like it really depends on who you are. But first thing is you have to be willing to part with that money. You have to be willing to part with it. And I want to talk about angel investing versus VC investing because they're kind of in the same asset class, but a little bit different. If you're angel investing, that means that you are personally picking companies yourself and investing directly in those companies. If you're VC investing, then you are investing in a venture capital fund that selects those companies for you and kind of diversifies your investment a lot more. And they do it professionally, right? Like they do it full time, they do it for a living, they all kinds of other things. So if you're an angel investor and you're just investing in one company, you have to be like the right number of how much to invest is the number that you're willing to never see back. Just imagine that you're buying something and never seeing it back. And then you may or may not have a windfall at the end of it. That's why you have to diversify it, right? Because this is very high risk investing. So set aside however much you want to invest in high risk, high return, long illiquidity period. And then my recommendation to people is know that number and spread it across a portfolio, spread it across a number of months or years, give yourself some, the opportunity to have discipline around your investment. So you can really diversify it and like put it across a number of companies and maximize your odds that one of them will go really, really big. Does that make sense? So now if you are investing in a fund, the fund does that for you. Now I think it's a, you know, for the average person, it is much better to invest in a VC fund than it is to angel invest because to angel invest properly takes a lot of expertise, takes a lot of time, like takes a lot of access to deals. A lot of companies don't allow small checks directly onto their cap table. So it's an, another way of saying that they won't even let you invest in them under a certain amount, under $25,000, under $50,000. So it's actually quite hard. So what do people do? They get together in syndicates, like in groups of people and invest together. They invest through AngelList or different online platforms, Republic, because a lot of companies don't want small checks directly into, like they don't want to have that many that many shareholders so early in the life of a company. We can talk about why. I'm not a lawyer, by the way. It's like, talk to your lawyer about that. All this <laughs> so versus if you invest in a fund, you kind of, you're paying a fee for the fund to manage that money for you to like find how hundreds or thousands of companies and select the best ones and then support them so that the chances of success are going to be much higher. Does this all make sense? Yes, it does. It feels like to me though, you know, me personally, I'm probably not someone that should put money into a VC just yet. I'm probably looking for VCs. So we, we should talk. No, I'm just kidding. But I know where they hang out. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say Leslie might be part of that network that we need when we finally launch our company officially, <laughs> Megan McShane. <laughs> Look, yeah, me and I'm Leslie are going to take out. Me and Leslie are going to take a walk around Green Lake. That's all I got to <laughs> say. But I mean, it seems a little intimidating, Leslie. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. You're breaking it down beautifully. I think it makes a bunch of sense. But how do people even get educated on stuff like this to even know yeah. and go and 
like potentially invest or become an angel investor? Well, it's really, really hard. You know, it's really, really hard. And and there's a lot of movements out there. There's a lot of people advocating for normal people to have more access into this asset class, right? Because remember, go back to the companies that we're talking about. We're talking about the companies that are going to be at the job fair in 20 years. We're talking about companies that are going to be gigantic. Like this is wealth generating investing. It's not fast, but when it hits, it hits really, really big. And only certain people have access to it, right? You have to be accredited. And, you know, to Megan's point, it's quite intimidating. Now, philosophically, I believe that more people should have access to the asset class, that like more people should be investing in venture, should be investing in funds. I want them to. I want you to. I particularly want women to start investing in funds. Call me ladies, right? Like femalefounders.org, team at femalefounders.org. Email me anytime. I do want more people to do it, but I want I want them to do it intelligently because it is highly speculative capital. And the reason, my thinking is, the reason why there's these barriers to participating in the asset class is because they're watching out for the, for the retail investor. Like this is the government like being kind of paternalistic and wanting to save people from themselves a little bit. Now, if you want to get educated about it, it's, I honestly, I, I don't know where people get educated about this stuff. So what we did was, well, Pipeline Angels, right? There's angel groups out there where you can start learning how to be an angel. So Pipeline Angels is one of them. The Angel Association, Angel Capital Association of America is another, or they'll have like workshops and different things. We at the Female Founders Alliance are running a program in the fall. So as part of our big summit, the Female Founders Alliance Summit, October 13th to 15th, one of the tracks is around becoming an investor. So we're going to, in that track, we're going to touch on how do I get access to VC funds? How do I get access to angel deals? How do I diligence a company if I'm an angel investor? I think we're even going to get into like cryptocurrencies, or at least we're thinking about it, right? We're we're recording this in May, but we want to talk about all of the different things that you can be investing in as a woman and trying to get young women more excited and less scared about participating in these asset classes, right? Like all you need to do is is just have a budget for it, right? Like, aren't we good at budgeting? We're good at budgeting. We are good at budgeting. (laughs) And Leslie, it's hitting me pretty hard and I'm sure it's hitting Megan too, but I, I actually didn't know that I had the option of even contemplating anything in venture capital or investing outside of what I've done in my day to day. I did not know that was an option until I met you, which I think is so striking to me because I am the type of person that has dug into every single sector of investing, but until the last, let's say three years of my life, did not even know it was an option. And Honestly, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, this is generational wealth that I'm hoping to build in the future. Yeah, I guess I guess it's just not something that's ever been presented as an option to women because we've never sat in those rooms. We've never had the opportunity to have the discussion about it. And it's it's kind of crazy. That's hitting me really hard too. Like I ha- uh I could talk about this for hours. So first of <laughs> all, one thing I should have mentioned earlier, but it's still a good time. It is actually really hard to invest directly in venture capital funds. And the reason is they're giant. And the minimum check size, like the minimum amount that you need to put into those funds is normally quite large. And the best funds are very selective about who they let in. And so the, even the origin of the capital is hard to break into. Like you can't even give them money if you wanted to. Now, if you have a, 
a pension fund, right? Like if you if you're investing in an IRA or somewhere, you might have secondary access to venture capital. So you might already be invested in a diversified portfolio without knowing it. But in order to do it yourself, you have to look for emerging fund managers, like VC funds that have minimums that are low enough that you can do it as a first-time investor and that they're open to taking your money. And we'll talk about that at the summit as well. So that's the first, it's actually quite hard to access a fund. If you have an opportunity, you should take it seriously because they're going to be doing the job professionally for you. If you don't have an opportunity, start angel investing. And let me tell you, the fund managers will find you. (laughs) Like just make yourself known and like we will find you and we will pitch to you. Most fund managers can't advertise publicly because of SEC regulations. So you're not gonna you're not gonna see a lot of them out there like asking for investors. You just have to dig a little deep and start building relationships to to access that. Which Leslie, this brings me and I think you've kind of circled around it, but I would love to I would love to kind of discuss your thesis behind your investing and and what your thoughts are behind that. Yeah. So, so looping back to the female founders lens, right? So what did I learn? (laughs) I learned that when you have 98% of the capital going to 50% of the population (laughs) and 2% of the capital going to the other 50%, you end up getting this self-selection, you know, in the, in the pile that has it harder, you get this self-selection of really crazy people the grittiest, most creative, hardest working, you know, just really, really outstanding founders self-selecting into taking the harder path. So that's number one. Number two, these are companies, these women-founded companies that are not getting the VC dollars. When you don't have money thrown at you in the early days of a company, you end up having to figure it out without money. And that is harder, but it also builds a more substantive business to begin with. So there's data out there from multiple really, really reputable sources that says that women-founded companies outperform all male teams. There's data that says, you know, there's a famous report from First Round Capital when they, they reviewed their own portfolio over its first 10 years, and the companies that had one female founder on them performed 63% higher than the companies that didn't have a single woman on the team. So 63% higher ROI, according to First Round Capital, one of the best-known VCs in Silicon Valley. Number two, data from BCG and Mass Challenge, which is a giant accelerator out of Boston. They looked at thousands of companies, and they found that Companies with a woman founder are returning twice as much revenue for every dollar you invest in them. But why does that happen, right? Like think back to my founding story when I was working on Venture Kids. I started Venture Kids alone out of my basement with something like $1,000 for my savings. And what did I do? I cold called 350 mommy bloggers and I convinced them to write about my product. And then I got an email list and then I started selling. And by the time I went to Pitch VC, I had thousands of dollars in revenue. That is a company that has a value prop from day one, that found its customer from day one. And once you invest in it, what happens, right? Like it generates twice as much revenue for every dollar you invest in it, of course. And then that results in a 63% higher ROI. So my thesis, like my investing thesis is find those companies, right? I happen to have a community with like thousands of women trying to get their companies off the ground, find the best ones and invest in them. And I like to say I write small checks, but they come with lots of friends. 
<laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, get, get the, get the investor community to see what you see and, and get these companies enough fuel to go the distance. And that's how we get, that's how we get to the vision. Like that's how we create the public market we want to see in the next 20 years. And it sounds like a great resource that you kind of just sprinkled in there is coming up this October. Yes. Around a summit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because that sounds like a good way for even I to get educated. And I oh my God, you still have to come, Megan. Okay. Like you are, <laughs> I happen to, I'm coming too. I am <laughs> crashing that party. <laughs> I happen to know the owner. So like wink, wink. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Live podcast coming from the Women's Leadership Summit. Oh, Leslie, yeah. please give us oh the details. God, we are so doing it. So we are doing our first ever summit. You know, I have the female founders lines. I have avoided doing a summit for four years because I'm like, everybody does summits. Why, like, why do another one? But the reality is a lot of our partners were asking us like to gather every part of our community into one place at one time. We're like, what would that look like? Right. We have, we have the founders, we have all the executives, like we have all of these women that are part of what we do that are not actually founders. They're in their jobs. They're thinking about it. They're kind of thinking about what do they want to do with themselves in their careers. And then we have the investors. We have like all of these different people. We're going to bring them together. The thinking behind the summit is so many women that I know, including myself for the bulk of my career, I optimized for the next step that I thought I was supposed to take. And that usually looked like something that somebody else did for me. It looked like a promotion. It looked like an award. It looked like getting another job, right? It looked like a job hunt. It never occurred to me that entire time, to your point earlier, Sarah, it never occurred to me that actually my career is in my hands. And at some point, you know, and that doesn't just mean look for the next job. What that means is that at some point in your career, the things that happen after are entirely outside of your workplace. They look like board positions. They look like thought leadership, speaking engagements. They look like publishing a book. They look like building your own portfolio of investing. So taking that idea of like, your career is in your hands, you just don't know it yet. Come try on this hat. We built a summit around the different things that we think that professional women should be doing from day one. There's a track around becoming an investor. There's a track around becoming a board member. So like, how do I get into a board? What does that mean? What do they do? How do I get there? And hey, by the way, that's also important because less than 20% of all public company boards seats are occupied by women, right? So like it's all around. Third track, becoming a thought leader, right? So like, how do I... You know, it's not for everyone, but how do I increase my followership? How do I, how do I start getting published? How do I do speaking engagements? Like, what did those things look like? And then the final one is becoming a founder. Like, what does it mean to start a company? And then, you know, at the end, we will have one big community day with the more traditional kind of big keynote speakers type of thing. We'll be announcing a lot more of that in the coming weeks and months. But really, the tracks are like super practical. Like we're going to do an angel investing workshop. We might even bring some companies to pitch to you. And I I don't know how this is going to work yet. We're talking early days. But, you know, we want to bring some funds to you. We want to bring some companies to you. We want to like do some matchmaking. Hey, you're looking for an advisory position. Hey, I know 2,000 companies looking for advisors, right? Like let's try to match you two. So it's going to be very tangible, very hands-on. Just try on the hat. Leslie. I think that sounds like an amazing event. I know it's coming up this October. 
October 13th to the 15th. So beautiful. But at the core of it, that definitely resonates with me, I have to tell you. We all inherit these beliefs from our family or people we look up to that we have to do certain things a certain way. And you wake up sometimes and you're like, why the frick am I doing this? You know, how did I get here? Because this doesn't, where do I go? I feel lost, you know, and I know I'm not the only person that feels that way. So just at the soul of that and to know that you were there and you did it, I think is like a shed. It's just like light in a dark room, at least for me. I appreciate it. I I really appreciate it. I have to say, I'm not the type of person who goes around saying you can do anything because I think that that is a lie. You can't do anything. I could not be a professional basketball player, (laughs) right? Like you can be more than you think you can. That's the way that I like to think about it. And, and I also like, why not you? Why not you? Why not me? Why not? Right? We can be a lot more than we think we are. Sarah, your story earlier about not realizing that there was this entire asset class that you could have been investing in this whole time. Seriously, though, nobody talks about it. It's the secret closeted asset class. Well, for some reason, it's just not okay for girls to talk about it. I I had a similar experience recently. I I caught up with a business school classmate, and this is like a year or two ago. And so I graduated business school 2007. So at that point, it had been 10 plus years since we graduated. And, you know, I'm doing the Female Founders Alliance. I am occasionally fundraising. I'm like, it's certainly exposed to a lot of companies that are out there fundraising. So I, I'm in the investing world. And I talked to my classmate and he said to me, oh, yeah, I invested in this classmate's company and I invested in this classmate's company and like, oh, this classmate, he did this thing. And like, I invested in his company. And it occurred to me that this entire time, like this whole time since we graduated in 2007, the guys have been pitching and investing in each other and the girls have not. And I'm like, wait, what happened? Like, how did we get here? How did I not realize this, right? Like, of course, my classmates want to invest in me. They've known me for the longest. Of course, oh my gosh, of course I want to invest in them. Like, I know them really, really well. You know what I mean? Like, of course, it just never occurred to me to ask. And why didn't it occur to me to ask? Why? Right? Like, because we just don't talk about money. That's crazy. Girls never talk about money. I had a dinner party once that I was invited to with one of my heroes, Sally Kravichek. And Sally is the CEO of Elevest, right? So she said in that dinner party that they did research internally and they found that women are more apt to talk to each other about sex, death, and our weight than talk to each other about money. That's just Yeah, here up. we are talking about sex, death, weight, and money <laughs> on this podcast, Leslie. Good for you. <laughs> this, is why, this is why I knew you when. But it's really important, right? Like how many times have you hit up your friends to donate to something that you believe in, right? Everybody that's listening to this, how many times have your girlfriends hit you up for a donation? How many times have they hit you up for an investment? Think about that. And let me tell you what the guys are doing. Oh, yeah. That's actually something that really that really struck me in these last few years as well. Like the guys all shared the same conversation about investing. I have accidentally fallen into some like for better or for worse because of the fact that I'm now surrounded by men all the time. 
but certainly not something like I never, I turned to Megan and we'd talk about budgeting occasionally, but I never turned to her and was like, we should invest in this company, which is such a common conversation now that I'm, you know, sitting in startup land surrounded by people that do it every single day. That's such a good point, Leslie. It's not only normal, it's encouraged. It's like a good thing. Like it's exciting. You're bringing opportunities to people versus like for women, we just don't, right? Like I have a friend who is very high net worth, has lots of very high net worth friends. And I asked her if she would make some introductions because I wanted to tell them about the female founders lens. And she was like, oh, I could never talk to my friends about money. Like, okay, but you realize that like, it, that's an opportunity that you're putting in front of them, right? Like it's not, you're not asking them for anything. You're inviting them into this super cool club, but we just don't see it that way. And if we don't see it that way, the rest of the world is, right? My dad back in Costa Rica, I used to tell this story. He loves this story. My dad has been going to the same poker group for what, six decades, like five, six decades, same poker group, same guys. My brother, I'm guessing now goes to it too. And that poker group has produced presidents of Costa Rica. Like, you know what I mean? Like over the years, sharing (laughs) deals with each other, going into business with each other, supporting each other. Like that's what they do. And, and like, why not us? Why are we not doing it? So yeah, I'm like, I have this side mission of like, I just really want us all to believe in our girlfriends and, and invest in them. I love hearing that. I feel like I need to end on this excellent note. Leslie, Thank you so much for joining us and enlightening us on such a wonderful subject that I think really needed to be brought to light. Before we finish wrapping, I would love to have our listeners know where they can reach you, where they can find Female Founders Alliance and learn more about your investing. Absolutely. So you can find out more about the summit on our website at femalefounders.org femalefounders.org. We'll put it in your website as well. So we're like, we'll share it all across our Twitters yes. and our socials Absolutely. and our Instas. I'm really bad at Insta, by the way. Like I just, I don't <laughs> follow me on Insta. Same, same, there. same. There's like, you know. Just wait till people start finding me on TikTok. I'm right there with you. But so femalefounders.org. Femalefounders.org. And then there's a form there, but if you ever, like, if you want to be a part of the Female Founders Alliance as a founder, there's a form there that you can fill. If you want to be a part of the Female Founders Alliance as an investor in the investor community, learn more about that. Email team at femalefounders.org and mention the podcast. We will look out for it. It's probable that the best way we have of getting you started is the summit itself. But we, you know, we want more women to start investing and taking it seriously. And so, you know, I'm super excited to be here. I love that you guys are doing this podcast. I hope that I did the asset class justice because I know that you talk about all kinds of different things. So like everybody, you should be investing in VC a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Leslie. This has been so enlightening for me too. As I've come into this new finance journey, I feel more empowered to be a part of the boys club and then start a girls club, which is what we're doing right here. So thanks for being a part of the club. Well, I think that this is a super fun club. I have so much that I'm processing right now, Meg. Same. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was just like a a just data dump of so much information. Do you want to start the added up with what you took away from it first? Gosh. I mean, I'm reeling a, a little bit here too. So 
what an amazing episode and what an amazing human being Leslie is, is what I have to say. And I think it it goes really well. We interviewed Kenzie Grant, who just opened up, you know, her own business. And she's like, here we go. You know, now it's like, what's the next step? And Leslie laid it out so perfectly. You know, what's a VC? How do you get funding? How do you get involved? She gave us great resources and how to educate ourselves and was pretty brutally honest that, you know, it's a hard industry to get into unless you know people, but you just got to start knocking on doors. So I just feel like she's a wealth of knowledge in this space. And I feel like I have more to learn. And this is definitely one of those episodes I'm going to re-listen to (laughs) during the week and be like, oh, wait, I have more to add it up, but I'll just add it up in my head. I don't know. What did you think? Uh, Well, I mean, I took two big things away from her. The first one is that I need to start writing down ideas as soon as I have them, which she said at the very beginning. And I was like, I need to start actually doing that because I feel like it'll help me execute in the future at all of the millions of companies I'm going to start now that I've been just, I don't even know, sparked by the conversation (laughs) we just had. Yeah. And the second thing is what a difficult asset class it is to become involved in. I, I guess it never really struck me as something that we don't talk about in terms of finances and money, but it's not. And I do think it's because women have just been out of it for so long. And that makes me sad, but it also, it also makes me want to talk about it more. And it makes me want to bring up the conversation and say, we deserve a seat at the table over and over and over again until that becomes closer to equal. We deserve parity. Women deserve to be invested in. And frankly, I have a lot of theses. theses. I have a lot of theses as to why women are not currently being invested in, but I want to watch so many more women shatter that glass ceiling and achieve that founder role and also get the funding that they deserve. So yeah, I... What about the point that she's like, see my two daughters behind me in 20 years when they're at their college graduation and they go to the job fair, those like companies that will be there are the ones we're investing in now. And I was like, (laughs) that kind of blew me away a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) I forgot. So it just seems like we're, we're on the precipice of something amazing and what a great way, you know, to get some thoughts down and carry around a notebook. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've got like this fire burning in me now that I need to, to go handle somewhere. I need to, I need to go let it out. I've got some like mental energy because of this whole conversation. (laughs) I love it so much. I really, really do. No, dude, this was awesome. This was really great. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Want to Have Funds.